episode 85 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for yet another week of Knicks and NBA talk. Interesting week. This was an interesting week. Not a ton to talk about on the Knicks front. There's some stuff. There's some good stuff. Um, It's one of those weeks where, you know, if if you're into juicy stuff, as far as the Knicks are concerned, not a ton. And that's that's a good thing, I think, for the development of this team and and looking to, you know, move forward towards success. Is it great for the show? I I guess you could argue it's not. But I I think it's great for the Knicks. And And I think as a Knicks fan myself... I'm pretty happy about that. But we'll talk about the Derrick Rose trade, his early impact, a one and two week for the Knicks, despite almost getting all three wins. And on top of that, we'll talk about the team moving forward and a month that still feels like it's all for the taking for the Knicks. This month of February feels like a big opportunity for the New York Knicks to really make some noise. Obviously, a couple of tough losses. We'll get to those. We'll get to the good win as well in the last week between last week's show and this week's show and and if we have time we'll talk about a weird story developing in dallas involving mark cuban and the national anthem not sure many have seen this but it's starting to grow by the minute very interesting story it is a little political but i do want to give my two cents on the topic so we'll get to that later on and we'll also touch on Derek Rose. But first, we'll talk about the three games over the past week. Now, the Knicks had, you know, if you look at the week as, as a whole, a one and two week. Started out great, and then a couple of really, really tight losses against Miami. It felt like it would have been a really great week if the Knicks could have split the home and home series over that three-day stretch with Miami. The Knicks were unable to do so, dropped them both. Let's start with the Portland game, the, the positive of the week. I had I had a good feeling about this game going into it. I, I thought the Knicks were going to win this game. They gave Portland a really tough game on the road. This felt like a game that the Knicks were going to win. And I, again, like just being able to say that, is a big deal this year. And listen, the way you beat Portland, at least the way it's currently constructed, is simply this. There, you know, because again, this is a team that's that's dealing with some pretty significant injuries. Zach Collins is still out with an ankle injury. Yusef Nurkic is out with a fractured wrist. And the fractured left foot of CJ McCollum keeps him out. So there's a lot of really significant blows to this Portland team. So right now, as the the Blazers are currently constituted, there's really one formula to beating them. Don't let the Damian Lillard supporting cast beat you. And the Knicks did not do that in a 110-99 victory. The, the Knicks basically recovered this game in the second quarter. Portland had a solid start to the game. They took a, a decent lead into the second quarter. And the Knicks completely erased it and built a solid lead of, I believe, six going into half. And that was the difference in the game. The Knicks did not relinquish that lead. In fact, they built on it as the game went on. And again, despite 29 points and 9 assists, along with 4 steals from Damian Lillard, the Knicks buckled down. And yes, there was, you know, 4 other players in double figures, but nobody blew up. Gary Trent Jr. had 19, nobody else had more than 13 for Portland. And the Knicks kept Carmelo Anthony at bay with 2 points over 17 minutes. He He was the guy that would have needed to really bring more to the table and the Knicks held Rodney Hood in check and his candidate got a double double but Covington also got a double double but nothing that was that was huge other than the 29 from Lillard and a decent shooting night not great from three in fact from Gary Trent Jr. the Knicks did enough to limit the supporting cast of the Portland Trailblazers 
That was the difference in this game. It was the difference between this game and the narrow loss in Portland during that four-game road trip. The Knicks have got to feel great about that win. I, I, I think that that was a massive victory to prove that that wasn't a fluke in Portland. The Knicks could have easily won that game, and then they showed in New York they should have won that game. And they came back and defended home court against a likely playoff team in the West. Despite, again, I get it. They're dealing with injuries. This is not Portland at full strength, but they you cut they you take them as you see them. And the Knicks got an 11 point victory over a likely Western Conference playoff team. I was excited about the Heat games. I really was. I I, I expected the Knicks to get one out of two. They could have gotten two out of two. They really could have. I mean, this was a huge, huge two game uh, home and home series. Because the Knicks actually could have distanced themselves a bit from the Miami Heat. But this is a good Miami Heat team that's that's getting healthy. Jimmy Butler came back, of course, just in time for this home-and-home series. He's been in and out of the lineup. He didn't play great in the first game, but he got to the free-throw line a ton, had 17 points, and, and was one assist shy of a triple-double. That's what he does. It's what Jimmy Butler does. Bam Adebayo's a stun. Kendrick Nunn was solid. Duncan Robinson made some threes. And I, and I thought, you know, Tyler Hero off the bench probably was the difference maker in this game. 16 points. His points likely were the difference in this game. Kelly Olynyk had 15. And, and defensively, the Heat are really effing good. <laughs> There's no other way to say it. They're a really good defensive team, just like the Knicks are. But they're, they're more talented, and they've been together as a group longer. And it showed in crunch time... Over the two games, the Knicks were slightly, I think, the better team in the first half, although it was narrow. And then the Heat, you know, won a very tight game late in the fourth quarter, putting the game away. That's what happened. The Heat are a good team. And with Jimmy Butler back, they were just good enough to win. The the Knicks had balanced scoring in this game. Julius Randle was phenomenal again, 26-13. A rare, phenomenal shooting night from Reggie Bullock, who had 21 points and made 7 of 14 from deep. The issue was, despite the bench giving you something, Burks had 13, Obi had 7, and Taj Gibson, a rare good night offensively, had 9 points. Didn't miss a shot, by the way, from the field, including a 3. Was this, did anyone else realize how little that was taught? Taj Gibson hit a three in this game. Taj bleeping Gibson hit a three-pointer in this game. Nobody mentioned it afterwards. That was, I, I was shocked when that happened. Regardless, the difference was that RJ Barrett had one of his worst games as a Nick offensively. Didn't get even a lot of touches, really, over the 19 minutes he played. Only three points. And Emmanuel quickly didn't have enough uh, time to really make an impact. I know he played 17 minutes, but only took four shots. One of those guys needed to have a big game, I think, in the end. It it didn't happen. The Knicks needed a third big scorer, and they didn't get it. And that was the difference in the game. Tyler Hero was that guy off the bench for Miami. You know, I get it. Alec Burks was in double figures, but nobody had, you know, 17, 18, 20 points off the bench for the Knicks. Quickly was capable of it. Even even on the floor, R.J. Barrett, nothing. It didn't happen. And there was not enough scoring from the backcourt. Alfred Payton and Emmanuel quickly combined for 12, for, excuse me, for 12 points. It's not enough against a Miami Heat team. That is going to win games at some point this season. They're going to figure it out. And they won 109-103. to I mean, that was a game... It's a game looking back that you could argue the Knicks let get away. Because, again, they they played very well in the first half. I, I thought specifically in the first quarter they were very good. But then the end of the second quarter... The, the Knicks held their own 
and were able to go in feeling like they you know they went into halftime almost you know feeling like the better team for a little bit there. But it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. You know, these are, to win these kind of games, you do have to close it out. Knicks were not able to do that in the fourth quarter. And this is a Miami Heat team. Most of you know, most of them that we're talking about here, that you know, been to an NBA Finals. A lot of these guys. So the Knicks, they did. They fought hard down the stretch, but it was too little, too late. And Miami, with probably about one thirty to go, I would argue. Sealed it. Tyler Hero hit a huge three-pointer with about 30 seconds left. That kind of iced the game. And that was that. 109 to 103. I, and again, standings-wise, it it was a bit, you know difficult defeat to take, right? But you have to remember two things. One, it's a very good division. Four playoff teams, along with the Knicks in this division, most likely this year in the East. Because Toronto's starting to figure it out. Boston's very good. Brooklyn's got three all-stars. And Philly is probably going to win this division. So it's one of those things. The Knicks are not the best team in this division. We didn't expect that. But I just love the fight in this game. I love the fight from this Knicks team against a very good Miami Heat team that is starting to figure it out. They are starting to figure it out. The second game of the home-and-home, home, I really thought the Knicks could win. I, I thought it was a big, big opportunity for the Knicks to get a a another another win that, that kind of, you know, stands out, right? The Knicks have had a number of those already this season. Over, you could argue Portland, Milwaukee, Indiana, looking back, just on the, you know, the schedule of the season, the Utah win, a win in Atlanta, there's some, there's some solid wins, the win in Boston stands out, the win at Golden State, The, the Knicks have had some really, really impressive wins this season, I thought this one in Miami really could have added to that list, but Miami found a way in the fourth quarter. The Knicks kind of let it slip. Very tight in the first two quarters. Very tight. Very tight. Miami had a slim lead at the break. But it felt like the game could have gone either way. And then after the third, I'm thinking, oh, this is huge. Big opportunity here for the Knicks to win this game. The third quarter was phenomenal rare quarter where where the heat really struggled offensively between these two games Knicks took full advantage and had a seven point lead going into the fourth and and it it the fourth was a bit of a rock fight but it, the lead the lead was not safe you could kind of feel that going into the fourth but the Knicks got balanced scoring you know Julius Randle was a little off 12 points on 18 shots not great but Alfred Payton picked up the slack. He had 18 points. Alec Burks was in double figures again. I mean, the and the addition of Derrick Rose was huge off the bench. Made some huge plays in this game. 14 points. Three assists. I mean, it's that, it's that added consistent scoring that the Knicks needed. And yes, we'll get into the trade specifically in a, in a few here, but... You saw right away what Derrick Rose could potentially give to this Knicks roster. And that's consistent scoring from the guard position. They have not had it this season. Listen, Emmanuel quickly has been great. And I, and again, I talked about this at least last show or the show before that. It hasn't been consistent. He's a rookie. And when you can't get the, the, the output you want every night from Alfred Payton someone's got to bring that to this team and bringing back Derrick Rose for a second stint feels like already like a great move because Tom Thibodeau is going to know how to use him they're very they trust each other they're very close they had a great run together in Chicago and and again Tibbs had him in Minnesota and Derrick Rose played well so why not bring him back to the Knicks where in in his previous time it was a dumpster fire 
at times. But now the right coach is in place. And it feels like a really good move already. It did during the Miami game. He made some big time plays. He really did. So I, I already it really enjoyed what Derek Rose can bring to this Knicks roster. He's a leader. He's a veteran. He's also a great mentor. I've seen this written a lot over the past couple of days. For Emmanuel Quickly. I, I, I think that relationship... And the relationship, by the way, he could have with R.J. Barrett as well. How to be an, an alpha male. You know, being an aspiring MVP. What that's like. Going for, for big-time accolades. Well, Derek Rose knows all about that. Th this move makes sense for a ton of reasons for the Knicks. And it showed in that second Miami game. The disappointing part was the Knicks let it slip in the fourth. They, they really had a huge opportunity to win this game. And Miami woke up at the right time. They woke up just in time in the fourth. And they got four huge uh, offensive nights. One from Jimmy Butler. Who also, by the way, had 10 assists. He was phenomenal. He was great. He was great again, Jimmy Butler. He really was. Crafty guy. Adebayo had 19. Olenek, again, keeps giving Miami good performances. He had 20. And then again, big points off the bench from Tyler Hero, along with seven rebounds and four assists. Tyler Hero's a heck of a player. He was at Kentucky, and he's already turning out to be a really, really, really good NBA player. No question. And despite Duncan Robinson not being able to hit the broadside of a barn from three, Miami found a way to win this game. So it's one of those things. One of those things where the veteran team made enough plays down the stretch. And again, to be fair, who was hitting the big shots again at the end of the game? Somebody from Miami's bench. And this time it was Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero hit some big shots in the fourth. He really did. Specifically under the, the two-minute mark, he hit a couple of huge shots. He had one three with just over a minute to go. And earlier in the fourth, hit another big shot. So I, I, Tyler Hero was massive for the Heat in the fourth. And Jimmy Butler made some big free throws as well. And the Knicks just couldn't get enough stops. They, 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 it, listen, it was punch for punch down the stretch. And yeah, I get it. Tyler Hero misses a layup. Oh, sorry, not Tyler Hero. Apologies. RJ Barrett misses a layup. The Knicks, the Knicks, you know, they had a huge opportunity. They just didn't get, get it done down the stretch. It's all you can ask in a game like that against a very good team. It's all you, all you can ask is that the Knicks, again, showed you the positives because at some point, again, they're going to keep, they're going to win these games. The more they play in games like this, the more they will win them. It's how the, it's how development goes. So again, you look at the record, you're thinking 11 and 15. If you're, if you're a Nick fan that's been around, you've got to be thrilled with that. You've got to be thrilled I, I didn't get a chance to look at this. But I I have to now. And I, apologies for uh for doing this live as I record here, but I got to know what how many games in the Knicks it took the Knicks to get 11 wins last season. I've got to know. There's no way it was 26 last season. The Knicks have played 26 games. They've won 11 of them this season. 2019-20, let's take a look very quickly here. The Knicks won their 11th game against Miami, believe it or not, on January 12th. I might have been at this game, actually, 124 
to 121. I actually think I was at this game, if memory serves. I believe I was here. I was there, here and there. I was at this game, if I remember correctly. Buddy of mine uh, and I had tickets that I got for my birthday. The Knicks at the time improved to 11 and 29 on the season. That was game 40 of last season. The Knicks got to their 11th win. We're 26 games into this season. And the Knicks already have 11 wins. The Knicks finished last season, obviously pandemic, shortened with 21 wins. The Knicks are already well on their way to surpassing that. It's a great sign. It really, it really is. And the fact that we're already talking about games where the Knicks played well enough to win and and weren't able to finish off against, again, against very good teams. Consider that and consider the fact also that this Knicks team is developing. That's a great sign. It's a great sign. It really is. The Knicks have showed so much grit, so much toughness, and, and they've bought in. I know, we, I know we've been taking a lot of time to say that, but it's worth repeating. Let me take a break here. When we come back, opportunity knocks in the month of February. I got, I got to run you through what's coming up because big opportunities for the Knicks. We'll talk about that. We'll talk a, lo- a little bit more about the Derrick Rose trade in particular, what the Knicks gave up, and a little bit more on what it means going forward. And then if we have time, I, I'm I'm debating how much time I want to spend on this, but if we have time, we'll talk a little bit about the Mark Cuban National Anthem situation. All that and more is coming up next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Second half of the show, let's dive right back into the Knicks. We'll get to the Mark Cuban stuff later on in the show, probably to wrap things up. Because I don't want to touch a ton on it, but I do want to give my two cents. It's it's honestly, what, what's a little frustrating about that story, it's the biggest story that, that anyone's talking about in the NBA right now. It's probably going to get a bigger spotlight as the week goes on because it had flown under the radar for a while. It really had. And now some people are starting to talk about, we're starting to hear more about it the last couple of days. We'll talk about that in a minute. We'll we'll also get to the Derek Rose trade, which I want to talk more in depth about in a few moments. But first, let's look ahead on the Knicks schedule. I I remember what I said, because it was was a big thing for me to say uh, last week. This felt like a big month for the Knicks. And, And it's not like a make or break month. I remember saying that last year. Uh, and even, you know, not when I didn't, when I didn't have this show two years ago, you know, I, I always do put a lot of stock on these early winter months in the new year, because these are, these could be make or break it months for, for most NBA teams, but it's a different year. This, this just felt like a big month because there's a lot of winnable games on the schedule for the Knicks. You know, the Knicks have already shown you that they're going to be competitive every night. They've already shown you that they've bought in. They're much improved from a season to go and Tom Thibodeau is a massive massive reason why but now you know there's obviously some expectation to a certain extent so you're looking to see where the Knicks can find some wins and and again continue to get better and and hopefully you'll continue to stay in in the fight for a playoff spot I mean that's really a potential goal right now for this Knicks team that, that I'm sure Tom Thibodeau is keeping in the back of his mind as this season goes on, as we sit here at the recording of this podcast, the Knicks are only one game back of a playoff spot. One game back. They're actually one game back of the seventh spot as well. Charlotte and Atlanta are tied right now for the seventh and eighth spot respectively. And just throwing this out there as well, Knicks are only a game and a half back of the five seed right now. The Pacers and the Raptors tied right now at at six and five respectively the Pacers are at six and the Raptors are at five so so the Knicks are right in the middle of it right now right there so again again long way to go in the season so again 
keep that in mind, but yeah, that's why these games are also important. It's great that the Knicks can continue to play in meaningful games as long as possible. That's, that's what we've been looking for for years now with this Knicks team, and we're starting to get it. So it, it it's very, very exciting that this is going to happen. One other thing, and I actually probably should have mentioned this earlier because it's worth bringing up. The Knicks, and I'll get the information on this in a second, are going to be allowing fans back into Madison Square Garden. So, and, and this happened earlier in the week, The news out of the Knicks organization, and again, you know, most of the times when you look to the, to the Knicks on Twitter these days, it's it's about, you know, schedule changes and, you know, go, things happening with COVID, the trades that, that have happened, obviously, with Derrick Rose. But Governor Cuomo in New York is going to allow the Knicks to have 2,000 fans at every home game, starting with February 23rd against the Warriors, and the Rangers will also allow to have uh, allow to have fans back in the in the Garden as well. They start on the 26th. They host the Bruins. It could be a great boost potentially for the Knicks. It really could be. The one thing I do want to express, though, because I've seen it in leagues in Europe, specifically in England, that have allowed fans back in. I follow the Premier League. I've seen it happen. They've already had to stop that and go back into a lockdown. Now, again, different circumstances, but it's it's the same virus, so it's worth keeping in mind. The fact that sports are allowed to have fans again in New York is a good thing, but do not be surprised if this doesn't last very long. It, it's just the way it is. It's the way the virus continues to mutate. You know, people are still not following the protocols in some areas of the country. And in the world. So it's one of those things where it, this could easily be short-lived. But it could be a nice boost for the Knicks as well. And one thing I do know about the Garden is it almost doesn't matter how many fans are in there. That place can rock. I remember being at a meaningless Big East tournament game between two teams that had no shot of making the NCAA tournament a couple of seasons ago. And again, you know... For those that follow the Big East, you know, St. John's and Georgetown have played in a lot of these early round games when they don't have a shot at making the Big East tournament, and there's still big crowds because it's St. John's and Georgetown. But I'm talking about when it's, you know, meaningless team against meaningless team, and by meaningless, I mean they're not making the tournament. And it's, there's, you know, maybe, I don't know, around 7 or 8 to 10. It's like half full to like 40% full. And again, this is only going to be 2,000. But it's still loud when great things happen. So this this Knicks energy that they're bringing on the defensive end, right? Everyone's loving it. Everyone's loving the improvements that these players have made under Tom Thibodeau. Just having fans back will help fuel that moving forward even more, I feel like. Knicks fans want to see good basketball. They want to see hard play. They want to see great defense. They want to see toughness. And they want to see effort. This team has all of that. Because of Tom Thibodeau. I, I, for the Knicks fans, and, I, and, I, and I, to be fair, I'm not going to go. I don't think it's worth the risk. But for the fans that think that you know they're comfortable going, I, I really hope they enjoy it. Because this is, this is a team that is finally competitive again. And I hope that, you know, that, that we get to hear them uh, watching on MSG and just really enjoying that when the Knicks are at the Garden. That's going to be a lot of fun. And again, if you want to keep going, right? If you want to at some point get back into the garden, you got to wear a mask. You got to follow the protocols. You got to socially distance yourself from others. And you got to follow the protocols. And if you're going to go out, at least follow the protocols while you're going out. You've got to do it. You've got to do it if you want things to get better. And if you want to go back to the garden when it's full again, some point soon. So in the meantime, and again, it's worth mentioning because I, I, I'm i excited. I, I can't wait to see fans back in the garden, but these are things you have to keep in mind as the season goes on. 
These are things to watch as we continue to move forward. One last little Nick note before I, because we will talk about Derek Rose and we'll briefly talk about the Mark Cuban situation as well. We're not going to do this every week, but maybe when the news is slow, we'll do this. The Westchester Knicks are back in action. I know, I know we briefly talked about the roster a show or two ago, but some notable performances in the first couple of games, the, the Westchester Knicks won both their games. Iggy Brasdakis has had a couple of really good games. James Young, formerly of Kentucky, has been pretty strong. Jared Harper had a good opening night as well for Westchester. Miles Powell has had two really strong games as a Westchester Nick so far as well with 16 and 22 points respectively in the two wins. Uh, Simi Solashitu played well in the, in the Westchester Knicks last game, which is actually on the day of recording, a 118-106 win over Greensboro, which is an affiliate of the Charlotte Hornets. Just, you know, briefly shouting those guys out because it's great to see them getting to play during this pandemic, you know, in, in a season where this, these kind of events, minor league sports, don't always get to be played. Minor league baseball has been in the shadows for most, if not all, of the pandemic. So it's great to see the G League in action and the Westchester Knicks are off to a great start. You guys know me. I'm a Miles Powell guy. I covered him. I'm a fan of his. Um, we went to the same school. Shocker. So I'm great to. I'm glad to see he's off to a good start. But really, on top of that, the, the Westchester Knicks are, are off to a good start, and some of these guys could end up playing for the Knicks at some point this season. Jared Harper is one who's a two-way guy. Iggy Brasdakis could potentially play for the Knicks again this season. So it's great to see they're off to a good start. And Miles Powell, the these the undrafted free agent that the Knicks signed last uh, during the last draft also off to a solid start was their leading scorer in the win earlier on the day of recording on Thursday. So it's good to see that. And it's good to see that the Westchester Knicks are off to a good start and are playing well, just like the Knicks have been over these last couple of weeks. All right, before we touch a little bit on the Mark Cuban stuff, let's dive just a little bit deeper into the Derek Rose trade. For those that missed what the Knicks gave up, the Knicks traded Dennis Smith Jr. and the 2021 Charlotte Hornets second round pick. According to Ian Begley of SNY, and it's now confirmed. To the Pistons for Derek Rose. Obviously, we talked about some of the pros earlier. Derek Rose has been with Thibodeau, uh, Tom Thibodeau twice, once with the Bulls, once with the Timberwolves. And obviously, he was with the Knicks in 2016-2017 as well, where it didn't go so well. It was okay at times, but for the most part, pretty forgettable, uh, his first stint. Derek Rose has said all the right things in the media. He's already come out in a game against Miami, and we've already seen the spark he can provide for this New York Knicks team. I do want to mention, and again, we mentioned some of this earlier he can mentor rj barrett he can mentor emmanuel quickly these are all uh, all pros I, I don't really see many cons here the knicks need scoring in the back in the backcourt there's no question about it this if this knicks team is to stay competitive for a potential playoff spot and potentially by the way make it five teams out of the atlantic that get to the playoffs it's possible that that happens you know, getting a guy like Derrick Rose could be a big boost to those chances. This is a, this is a hole that the Knicks needed to fill because you're not going to always get the production you need, specifically scoring the ball, consistently enough from Alfred Payton and Emmanuel Quickly. And, and frankly, they weren't expected to do that. You know, this was a hole that always needed to be filled. And the Knicks have filled it in a guy that could get you 20 points a night, potentially 15 to 20 every night when he's on and maybe every once in a while could could get higher than that so this is a this is a great move i think for the knicks derrick rose is going to be immediately comfortable playing for a coach he's already played for in two different cities for a franchise he's already played for once before in a different stint so this this feels this this all made sense when the knicks were first reportedly linked to a move for derrick rose and now that they've done it, it already looks great. It really does. 
And Tom Thibodeau is already, you know, building something, but getting this Derrick Rose deal done kind of solidifies that the Knicks trust what he's doing and that he can make some moves and continue to slowly but surely not only improve this team, but improve the, the quality, the talent, and the culture surrounding this organization and the roster itself. So it's really, really big to see something like that go through because it's another step in the right direction. One thing I do want to mention is put a little bit of a bow on the on the career of Dennis Smith Jr. with the Knicks. Obviously came over in the Chris Tapps Porzingis trade dump to Dallas. I remember being I remember being across the street from MSG when that news broke. Um I was working at the time and I remember uh the whole office just stopped. It it was very very eerie that day. We, we all kind of thought something might happen. No one confirmed it to us. Um, but I remember kind of thinking, um, if something were to happen, I think this is also the same, I think this is the same day that the Cavs like traded away Dwayne Wade and they, they unloaded a bunch of their players. It was a crazy day in the NBA in general, but that was one of the, if I have the days, if I have my days right, that that was the big move of the day was was the Knicks trading away Chris Tapp's Porzingis and I remember just being across the street from the Garden and just feeling like oh my gosh you know what now what are the what are the Knicks going to look like now moving forward and and Dennis Smith Jr. was kind of the the young up and coming piece in that trade to kind of get Knicks fans excited that this was the right decision. And despite some early, very early, to be fair, signs that Dennis Smith Jr. could have a long career with the Knicks, they quickly faded. And we never really saw the best of Dennis Smith Jr. That The tough part with Dennis Smith Jr. is this has kind of been the story of his very young career. He had he played one year at NC State under Mark Godfrey, who, by the way, doesn't coach there uh, anymore. He was replaced by Kevin Keats a few years back. And in that one year at NC state was off to a great start. And then according to reports quit on his teammates, wasn't trying in practice, you know, wasn't giving his all for the team and NC state, a team that by the way, went to Duke and won that year. And this is not this year's Duke. That was a good Duke team. He was dominant in that game and they won. They fell off. And I remember watching him play for NC state in the Barclays center in the first round of the ACC tournament. And he was done. You could tell. He did not want to be there. He did not want to play for NC State anymore. He had dogged it for 40 minutes. And NC State got knocked out by Clemson in the first round. So I remember the Knicks, Knicks fans were saying at the time that they might have, they might want him. And I remember thinking to myself, let, let this one go. Let this one go. This one does not make a lot of sense. Because of that, that background, that pedigree. Why am I telling you this? Dallas took a chance on Dennis Smith Jr. For the most part, you could argue for a little while, it worked out. But the main pattern hasn't changed with Dennis Smith Jr. That's the business side of this. And that's why the Knicks let him go. The production on the court hasn't been there. It starts out strong, and towards the end, it tapers off. It happened at NC State. It happened in Dallas. It's happened in New York. From a personal standpoint, I feel terrible for Dennis Smith Jr., specifically about his time in New York, because he lost a family member during this time. He had to deal with a pandemic. Emotionally, he looked drained at times. And we forget, and I know I do all the time when we talk about him, Dennis Smith Jr. is 23 years old. He just turned 23 back in November. He's got a long career potentially ahead of him, if he can figure this out. So I, I really hope in, in Detroit he can find a fresh start. It seems like he needs he needs one every couple of years, which is not a good pattern to be in. But I, I do hope because it's been a tough career for him. A lot of promise and and then a lot of of, of downfall. I really hope he can figure it out because the, he, he could be a heck of a player. It just didn't work out with the Knicks. And I hope that, again, he's going to go to an organization that's 
in worse shape right now in Detroit that doesn't seem to have a direction and, and is paying guys like Blake Griffin way too much money. But, you know, we'll we'll see. For the time being, he, he gets a new start, and the Knicks get a lot out of this trade with Derrick Rose. But I just want to put a little bit of a bow on the quick uh, tenure of Dennis Smith Jr. And, and hopefully, you know, for his sake and his family's sake, that they could put some of this bad times, you know, in his personal life behind him. And he can move on and have, you know, a solid NBA career, whether it's in Detroit or if he needs another fresh start somewhere else. Really quick, before we get out of here, I've saved a little bit of time to talk about the Mark Cuban story. And to be honest, half the reason I'm even bringing this up is because I was talking to a couple of buddies of mine who I feel like follow the league a lot. They had not heard of this story. They had no idea what was going on. This is a late-breaking story. Not many people have been talking about this. But this has been happening for most of this season, if not all of it up until now. Mark Cuban has not been playing the National Anthem at Mavericks home games. Hasn't been playing it at all. And for a while, nobody said anything about it. It was a little odd. And Mark Cuban then came out publicly, from what I've been reading, and it looks like he came out publicly and said a day or two ago from the day of recording, we're doing it. We don't feel like it represents who we are, the anthem that is, as the Mavericks organization. So we're not going to play it at all before games. This is where the politics comes in. <laughs> This is where it gets tricky. So the NBA uh, basically let it go for a little bit and then finally said, no, 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 it's our policy. You've got to play the anthem. And Cuban kind of said, okay, from what, I, from what I've been told and what, from what I've read. So I, it, this is odd. It's not odd that they've done it because Mark Cuban has stood by his players. They've gone to no, numerous events in Dallas and they have protested... Um, police brutality and have been pro black lives matter for a lot of last season and, and going into this off season and then in, into this new season as well. And for that, you know, Mark Cuban and the, and the entire Dallas Mavericks organization should get credit where credit is due. However, um, this is a weird story. I think that's the only adjective that makes sense. This is a very odd story. Um, I, it's, it's an interesting protest, and that's basically what this is, instead of kneeling for the anthem or, you know, um, you know, protesting the anthem for Black Lives Matter and police brutality and things of that nature, they decided to not play it at all. It's a, it's something I believe was talked about even early on in the Colin Kaepernick situation. Why do we play the anthem at all? before sporting events you know i i uh i remember you know people saying well they don't do that in school they just do the pledge of allegiance before your day at school you don't have to listen to the national anthem before you sit down for homeroom right so why do we do it at sporting events and it's been a tradition that's happened for decades that since i i I don't have it in front of me but since whatever year they've done it you know it's funny that, you know, just in that vein, a buddy of mine asked me after the Super Bowl, the la- the you know, uh, you know the one, uh, the, when the Bucks beat the Chiefs on Sunday. He said, why do they do flyovers before games? And I thought to myself, that's a great question. I have no idea. They've just done it in my lifetime. I can't remember the last time a Super Bowl didn't have a flyover. But there was multiple. It's a relatively new thing. It's not a thing that's been happening for that long of a period of time. So these things are, you know, they're done for a reason. I think the reason has been debated over the years. Do I think this is a big deal? I I do to a certain extent. I get that tradition is tradition, right? I, I think playing the anthem... Um, before a game does mean something. It does. It means something to a lot of people. You know, you are being reminded what country you're playing this game in front of in person. 
and you're 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 able to take a moment to appreciate that that we're able to you know have this time to play games you know uh during what's already a crazy world and it's even more i think you could argue prominent during a pandemic that the anthem is still played however with what the black lives matter movement has stood for with what has happened with police brutality what continues to happen with police brutality to be fair what's always happened with police brutality and racism in this country this is a very powerful statement um because you're basically dismissing the anthem entirely that's what it looks like that's that's what it looks like to me you might feel differently I wouldn't blame you. You you might have a different perspective than I do. But to me, when you do that, when you don't play it at all, that is a huge move. That's a huge step to basically saying, all right, it's one thing to kneel for the anthem, to protest it, and and try to spread the message that police brutality is not going to be tolerated and that black lives matter. But now you're not even playing it at all. So I, I have two thoughts on this and then I'll get out of here because I know you guys, <laughs> some of you don't always like that I, that we bring these up every once in a while on the show. My first thought was, it's odd that no one has said something about it. It's been a, he's been doing it a long time now. I, from what I've been reading, this has been happening for most of the season. And until he said something about it, nobody spoke up. So I I don't quite it's it's a little hypocritical for those that really want the anthem to be played that no one even noticed, especially in a state like Texas, that it wasn't being played. That's odd. That is very odd. No reporters talked about it. And if they did, nobody reacted. You know, there's been no backlash from doing this. In fact, nobody knew. So that's odd in itself. That's very odd to me that nobody even said anything. You know, in a world right now, and especially in our country where it's very divisive, the anthem. No one said anything. Like, no one said, hey, good on the Mavericks, right? They put their foot down. Enough is enough. But also no one said, what the hell are the Mavericks doing? This is America. We heard none of that until de- <laughs> until, until Mark Cuban basically opened up, you know, he flipped over his pocket pair of aces. That's what he did. That's what Mark Cuban did by going on the air and saying something. He basically said, you know what? I- I've got pocket aces. Good luck betting the rest of this hand. It, it, it's really odd. It's an odd. It's really, it's a weird situation. The second thing, the second thing I thought of, the, the second point that, that immediately popped into my head was this. On top of the fact that nobody said anything about it until Mark Cuban brought it up, this does take away a platform for people to spread the Black Lives Matter movement or an opportunity away from doing that. You know, if there's no anthem to protest at the beginning of a game, they just play the game. Right? There's not going to be a time that I know of. Maybe there, I don't know. I haven't seen anybody talk about a time where people can stand or, or kneel on the court before a game. It's not like the Premier League in England, and I believe they're still doing this, where you take a knee before the kickoff to support Black Lives Matter. They've been doing that all season and from the start of last season, when or I should say from the start of the restart of the Premier League last season. They would kneel before the kickoff because in England, they don't play God Save the Queen before every game. They don't do it. They just kick the ball off, and it's go time. So... They used, you know, about 10 to 20 seconds before every game to kneel. Many players would put their fists in the air in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. The, the announcers would acknowledge it. 
And then it's kickoff. The whistle blows and we go. So unless the NBA, and again, the NBA has said that, no, 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 you got to play the anthem. I I just look at what Mark Cuban was thinking and I'm like, I get it. You want to, you want to protest the anthem. That's great. But right, I see why you want to protest the anthem. It's for Black Lives Matter. That's great. But you also are taking away players that want to show their support for Black Lives Matter, their, you know, their opportunity potentially. Because now there's no anthem, there's no time for players to stand on the court, no allotted time at least, and, and, and kneel. And, and, and put their fists in the air to support the Black Lives Matter movement. Th- those were the two points. And they just feel weird to say. It's just a weird story. It's an odd story. But it's a 2021 story. It's a story that's very fitting of the time this country is in. If you have two cents on it, and I spent more time on it than I wanted to, um, please feel free to let me know at SHJ7 on Twitter or in the comments, postingandtoasting.com where the podcast, the Shock Shock Knicks podcast is posted. You can post it there. And again, if you want to hear my reaction, you know, if you want to have a conversation with me, Twitter's the better place to do it um at SJ7. So follow me there and we can talk about it. I talked about, you know, the NBA in China. Multiple people reached out to me to talk about it personally. I I'd be willing to talk about it with you guys um more more likely on Twitter cuz I check that more than I do um the posting and toasting page during the week. So that's the spot if you want to follow up, give me your two cents on this, the Knicks, NBA, anything. SJ7 on Twitter is the best place to do it. Um, again, if you want to leave a comment, please do on postingandtoasting.com. I will see it eventually. I just, I don't check it as often. That's why I'm not always replying to you guys there. Um, so that if you want to do that, feel free guys, that's where I'm going to end the show. Uh, thank you guys as always for listening to this podcast week in and week out. I love you guys. You guys are the best. Have a great week. Stay safe. Let me know what you think about everything that's going on with the Knicks and the NBA and more. Again, have a great week, stay safe, and I'll see you guys next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.